0: Hello and welcome back to the Stress Sessions podcast. You're listening to Series 4, Episode 8, and this week I'm speaking to singer-songwriter Lucy Kane. In 2017, Lucy appeared on The Voice UK in front of judges Will I Am, Tom Jones, Jennifer Hudson, and Gavin Rostow, and she's since gone on to launch her own music career and more recently songwriting. I didn't mention this in the main part of the podcast, but as we speak about Lucy's parents quite a lot, it's probably good that I let you know that her mum is actress and model Lisa Lasadi and her dad is actor Sam Kane, who is best known for his career in Brookside. And I'm finally so glad to have Lucy on the podcast because this one's been in the pipeline for quite a while now. Before I get into the podcast, I want to tell you a little bit about my journey of becoming sober. And yes, this is an advert. Since giving up alcohol last year for my mental health I've been searching high and low for a zero alcohol product that still has the great taste and quality as an alcoholic one and I think I've finally found the one in unlimited beer. In fact with a choice of lager and IPA unlimited beer has got me covered from all angles so whether I'm watching the football at home or planning a barbecue with mates in the warm weather I can finally have a few cheeky bottles without the alcoholic content and most importantly without the hangover. So whether you're a tea or considering giving up alcohol for a while or just sober curious, why not try unlimited beer? Uh, Just 23 calories a bottle, you just can't go wrong. And by entering a discount code LUKE10 at the checkout, you'll receive 10% off any order through www.unlimited.beer. So go on, give unlimited beer a try. You won't look back and you won't ever have anxiety ever again. So without further ado, here is the Stress Sessions with Lucy Kane. Welcome to The Stress Sessions, Lucy Kane. It's lovely to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: For those listeners who don't know who you are, can you give me a little background on yourself, what you do and what you've been up to?
1: so i'm lucy kane i am a singer songwriter you probably know me best for being on the 2017 um, itv's the voice i was lucky enough to get a place on team tom and i've kind of just been singing ever since and more recently it's sort of turned more into songwriting which i'm actually really enjoying and putting more focus on now than i was before
0: and this is a question that comes up every single time but what is the one song that puts you in a really happy positive mood
1: this is this is a really difficult question every time i hear this i never know i would i always think about what my answer would be and i never know what it's gonna be it would change <laughs> every single time at the moment <clears throat> a song that puts me in a really good mood would be you can call me al do you know that song if you be no. my body i will be a loveless spell and actually, I don't think it's a, a particularly happy song when you actually listen to the words. But the intro, the da, 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 da like, I feel like you couldn't have that on and continue to be in a bad mood if you're in a bad mood. So, yeah, I, I think it's called Call Me Al. You can call me Al or something like that.
0: I like that song. So I don't know if you've heard of them, but there's a band. I, I don't think they're together anymore. There's a band called Team Alter Polo from about maybe no, 10 years ago that did a cover of that song and it was, it was really really good so yeah if you have got the chance to listen to it because it's amazing
1: oh I absolutely will I absolutely will yeah it's just such a good song and yeah like I said I don't actually know what the content is really I've never particularly gone out of my way to listen to the lyrics but the actual just feel of the song just puts me in a really good mood reminds me of being on holiday for some reason
0: It's a good choice. Nobody's picked a crap song yet, so I'm really happy about that.
1: (laughs) Just to do a playlist of all of the songs that people have chosen. Yeah,
0: that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I might do that. I'm going to steal the idea off you.
1: That's all good. (laughs) You can have it. It's yours.
0: (laughs) I don't believe anything I read in the papers at all, but I, I had a quick sort of Googling stuff before this and I saw that, so your mum and dad had really severe COVID last year.
1: Yeah, um, the COVID bit wasn't blown out of proportion. I, and and that is the kind of catalyst for, I guess, my mental health story, to be honest. I think I've probably always had a sort of mild level of anxiety. I've always been like a very much an overthinker, pretty anxious person. I would build up to things quite a lot in my head and maybe wouldn't sort of manifest itself very physically. But internally, I think now knowing more about it i've probably always had that my door just opened on its own did you just hear that that's really scary
0: it's a ghost ghost. oh
1: my god i'm talking about anxious (laughs) sorry about that so i think i've always had some sort of level of anxiety but not really known too much about it then Beginning of 2020 was obviously horrendous for everyone. And it could have been a lot worse for me. I could have lost both my parents, but they were both in hospital very, very badly. My mum was kind of told that she's over 60, so she probably won't make it. A doctor said that to her and just the whole thing was really traumatic, as it was for so many people. But I was not at home. I, I, I live at home, but I wasn't at home. I'd, I'd sort of been somewhere else when lockdown started. I was at my boyfriend's. And I just had to stay there. And so I watched this whole thing sort of unravel from a distance, which was really difficult because I'm very, very close to both of my parents, especially my mum. She's literally my best friend. And so the communication was getting less and less and less. She was getting more ill and more ill and more ill. And then I hadn't heard from her at all for a couple of days or really anyone at home because everybody had it. And I think I had a very mild version of it, thankfully. And then I woke up one morning and on my doorbell camera, I saw them both being put in an ambulance and so that kind of image and I didn't know what was going on it just was it was really really quite horrible and then they were both absolutely fine and life moved on and at the time I think I sort of dealt with it quite well but what I then couldn't get my head around is how the further I was getting from them being absolutely fine and from that event sort of happening the worse I was feeling and I was sort of not understanding why I was, I was like, I can literally see them both. They're literally in front of me, they're healthy, they're alive, and I feel awful. And I couldn't work out, and it was, I was definitely going downhill. And it's the first time I'd sort of ever really noticed that feeling in myself of like really dipping. And I was like, this isn't healthy or normal, and I need to do something about it. And I think I'm very lucky with all of my friends and family and sort of all my close relationships that everyone is very open. So I was able to sort of have really honest conversations with everyone and seek help basically so I was lucky enough I did a self-referral through the NHS and was lucky enough to be put onto um a waiting list and I was very lucky because it was kind of PTSD related it wasn't just general anxiety that it was a more specific kind of therapy that this people were in need of so I think my waiting list was quite a bit shorter so I think I only had to wait sort of four five maybe six weeks And I was paired with this amazing EMDR therapist. I don't know how much you know about EMDR, but it's amazing. No,
0: not a lot at all. No,
1: it's reprogramming kind of memories that have weren't processed at the time. So like that image on the doorbell camera, that was a really every time I thought of that I could just burst into tears. Like I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't think about it. It was so triggering. And I didn't know why, because it was so long ago and everything was fine. But because my body was in such a state of like shock and panic at the time, it never processed that emotion attached to that memory. So every time I was thinking of it, it was giving me the actual feeling I had had all that time ago. So it's a sort of you move your eyes in certain ways and you do this kind of tapping and there's different pressure points and there's all these different things. And you kind of close your eyes and you tap and my therapist Jenny was amazing and and she sort of takes you on a journey of thinking about the memory placing your new emotion onto it and just that series of movements reprograms it for you to be able to experience it with what you know now which is that everything is fine and so I can think about that stuff now and talk about that stuff now and it doesn't affect me in the same way but I still I'm sort of on a new kind of thing. i that kind of kicked off panic attacks which I'd never had before. And that is something I still struggle with and I'm still struggling with and trying to work out how to help basically. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of where I come at mental health from in that way.
0: I've so I've never heard of the sort of counselling that you've had because I, I didn't know that's the thing. I've never I've never known that's a a kind of therapy that you yeah. can get. That's but it sounds really good. Is it so is that something that you can do on your own without a therapist so you kind of whenever you're feeling stressed or you sort of your mind goes back to that moment is that something that you do yourself
1: I think not the actual specific thing because I think my thing was tapping but there's loads of different things there's eye movements or there's different kinds of tapping that you can do that sort of help stimulate just that part of the brain to understand it so I wouldn't know how to do that specific bit on my own but she did help me to kind of visualize the new memories so I would have to go away and think about the things that i didn't want to think about but in the new way that i'd programmed it if that makes sense so it was something you could come away from the session and sort of i guess have homework of, of things that you can think about um but it was really interesting it's used a lot for ptsd and anyone that suffers with any form of p i was like how can i have ptsd like my parents are fine that's something that people that have been to war get i was like i i can't have ptsd do you know what i mean it felt such a small thing to have it about but you don't decide how your brain chooses re- to react to something um and that therapy really 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 worked for me it really helped
0: that's really good i think that ptsd is one of those sort of mental illnesses that is really stereotyped it's really put into a box. So like you said somebody that's gone to war or somebody that's been abused or gone through kind of a bad birth or something like that i think it's kind of really stereotyped to be one of those specific things whereas in reality it can be a lot of different things it can be like senior parents any traumatic
1: life event yeah anything that can trigger you to to kind of not process stuff at that moment because you go into sort of just focus mode if that makes sense I feel like that's what I was doing because I'm a very emotional person I cry at everything from a puppy I see in the street to an advert on the tv like I should have spent the time my parents were in, in in hospital panicking and crying but I didn't I was okay I was quite pragmatic and dealt with it so I think that is quite a natural function to go to when something is too horrible to think about you just go into that kind of focus mode and that doesn't allow you to to process any of it. So any any traumatic event, and trauma is a weird word because it's such an individual thing. Like trauma to me was that situation. Trauma to someone else might be something much bigger or that might not be a situation that someone else would find all that traumatic. It's kind of such an individual thing. So no one can really define where you would place that that kind of word I think um but yeah I can't recommend EMDR enough if that is something that you think that you're struggling with
0: I'll have to look that up because just to do more research into it because I think I find stuff like that fascinating stuff that I've never heard of like in terms of like coping mechanisms therapy stuff like that I find it all really like fascinating so yeah thanks for sharing that
1: oh my gosh no my pleasure I'm the same as soon as I as soon as the kind of middleman had sort of said that we think that this is the kind of therapy you need I was like oh my god this sounds amazing I love anything that I can explain like I can explain or I could be explained to the actual process of what my brain is going to do during my therapy session so it was quite nice to have a really clear like this is where you'll start this is probably where we're going to hope that you'll end and it's going to leave you with an outcome of being able to actually think about those things and it not kicking you off so much and yeah I'm quite I like to be able to see things and I like lists and I like explanations so that was a good one for me
0: I'm like that too as well I I have to write stuff down I have to like yeah see the progress and document how I'm doing stuff so yeah I totally agree going back to so you said that you're on a waiting list with the NHS for I think it's six to eight weeks Mm -hmm. what was it like in between that period of going to see the GP and then being assigned a therapist because I've I've had the same experience and that experience me is a really tough one because you kind of you you feel like you're in kind of limbo so you're waiting for somebody to get in contact with you to go yeah you're going to get therapy on x date but then obviously that date can move how did you cope in the interim with kind of having to wait I guess
1: I think for me, the fact that I'd done something about it and taken a step was really helpful because I knew that if I'd have just left it, I don't know what, like how far it would have tumbled. So I think just the fact that I knew that somebody was going to be there at some point, I found really comforting. But it was, I decided to make it like, what's the word like almost like um documentation period if that makes sense so i thought right this six weeks every time i have a panic attack i'm going to write it down every time i have i use it it's like a research period is, is the word i was looking for it's and I, every time i felt really low i wrote it down and every sort of conversation i had that sort of triggered that emotion i wrote down and i found that really helpful to go in because i'd sort of been able to to keep an awareness of what was what was the problem because at the time they'd kind of suggested that it was probably ptsd whereas in my head i just knew that i felt really rubbish and i was having panic attacks and i didn't actually connect it so much with what had happened i just assumed it was because of that because at that, that point that was one of the worst things that, is, that had ever happened to me so i assumed that it was connected to that but i didn't quite know in what way um so when i presented um, Jenny my therapist with that information she was able to to connect the dots and kind of see how it all so I I would suggest doing that because then you feel like you're doing something towards it so even though you might have to wait and I mean I'm I'm actually on a waiting list now for just a more general anxiety because it seems to be getting worse again um, so I'm kind of doing the same thing with my panic attacks I'm logging it but it, it makes you feel like you're doing something towards it or well, that's how it made me feel anyway. That I'm helping in some way.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm on a waiting list for therapy at the minute. And it's been it's been ages. It's been absolutely ages. But I think but oh, no, just by it? Yeah, it's it's mad. It's I got an email the other day going, Oh, you're gonna be there's I think it was like a it might have been like a two-year waiting list or something like that, because it's a it's it's a specific okay. one, which is a pain in the ass, because you kind of like you you're kind of like, Oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get it eventually. But Um, yeah it's it's just it's just
1: a hell of a lot longer than eight weeks isn't it so that is a long time to have to wait but it just shows how many people are seeking help which I in itself is kind of comforting because you know you're not alone because if it's going to take two years there's two years worth of people that are seeking help for the thing that you might also be seeking help for you know I found that kind of comforting as well in a weird sort of way
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good way of looking at it. To be honest. I've never never looked at it like that before. But it's yeah, it's, it's basically a lot of people in the same situation that need help for something, I guess. And
1: yeah.
0: it's, it's the thing is as well, especially with the last two years, there is going to be a massive massive demand for specific types of mental illness because people would have coped or not coped with the whole kind of lockdown COVID situation in different ways. And yeah. we've we've kind of come out the other side now, I guess. But it, I guess that's because it's come to the end of it, that's when people start to realise how they've been affected.
1: And they're getting back to their normal lives. And it's like how all of these things that you've built up in the time you've just been sat at home are now going to actually affect your normal life. You might not have noticed so much when you weren't actually going anywhere. But when you're now going out, it might you might suddenly realise all these things that are kicking off that you never noticed at home.
0: And I guess that's kind of sort of similar to your situation where like your mum and dad got better and you you saw that they got better after that after seeing them being taken away in an ambulance, and then suddenly it hit you like, oh shit, I I, I don't feel good at all. I'm having panic, panic attacks. And it's only until yeah. you kind of look back on it, you're like, oh shit, it did affect me. And that's kind of what will be happening to a lot of people at the moment I okay? guess.
1: For sure, absolutely. All of the sort of things that I've sought help for, I wouldn't have known there was help for them without people talking about it so like I do um Pilates and I sign up to this amazing girl called Lottie Murphy and she has like a subscription but she also does it on YouTube and she's spoken quite openly about some of her anxiety and stuff and how she sought for help for it and, and had people not spoken up and had I not listened to podcasts or read her blog or I wouldn't have necessarily known how to actually go about it so if I can put my story out there in however big or small it may be to somebody else if it can help someone or someone hear something they connect to or just a process they didn't know about and like I have to say that, that I'm in Hertfordshire and the Hertfordshire Mental Health Service has been amazing like you reach out and they are in contact even if your waiting list is is two years they are keeping you updated with it and i do just have to say that i think they're brilliant in this area so if you're in the area it's definitely worth looking at if you think you need it because they have been really brilliant
0: that's really good too, and it's the same with with my kind of waiting list thing Like i always get an email i guess weekly or fortnightly going um there's group sessions if you want to log on to that on zoom or you can book a one-off sessions it's i think even if you do have to wait for the like so to speak real thing there is always other options out there to get the help that you need I think it's just knowing what to look for and what kind of route to go down and I think like for yourself you went to see a GP you went to see a doctor and they kind of advise you the right route which is great for anybody listening to this do the same like if you are struggling then do what Lucy did do what I did and go and seek help and go and see your GP because they are ultimately the people that the professionals aren't they so they'll they'll better help you out
1: exactly. and a lot of I know in Hertfordshire you can self-refer so it will be connected to your GPs so you have to be from a GP but sometimes it, you have to wait three weeks just to get a GP appointment don't you so quite often you can self-refer and kind of skip the GP middleman and they'll just do the assessment with you um, the mental health team so it's definitely worth looking at that if you can't get an appointment at your GP either
0: I, I do think that again not bad mouth in the NHS or anything but I do think that when you do go and initially see a GP they need to sort of change a little because did you get like a little quiz at the the start saying are you suicidal?" or are you yeah I was like oh
1: it's
0: it's like I just think
1: I mean I wasn't thankfully but even if I was I don't know whether I'd be that able to just be like yeah and like, have you planned it (laughs) like no <laughs> I don't know but if I had I probably wouldn't tell you so I don't know I don't, yeah the questionnaires are a bit that some of them are a bit intense and then you kind of think well no it hasn't really affected this but it has and it hasn't really affected this so is it worth me doing but then it's affected you in other ways that that questionnaire doesn't necessarily cover so some of them are a little bit tenuous but we've just got to do the process haven't you
0: yeah and the thing is as well is that those questionnaires are quite situational so it's how you're feeling at that moment in time like you, you could be suicidal at another point or whatever but if yeah. they are very situational and I think if again if you are going to see a doctor be very honest and open and and think back to how you felt not at your worst but kind of how you have felt for a long time because I think sometimes it when you're put in that situation and put under pressure to kind of go oh how am I feeling on a scale of one to ten people will kind of mark themselves down a little bit and not be that honest so always be honest i'd say
1: and that's another thing that helped me keeping that kind of log in that in-between period because quite often like if i feel rubbish but i've got to go somewhere I'll put my brave face on and I'll be absolutely fine when I get there because I've convinced myself I'm fine and then I have to suddenly talk about not being fine and it sort of feels like I'm lying but I I felt awful yesterday so if I've got sort of written down proof of like this is exactly how I've been feeling and I might not be feeling it right now but I was feeling it a week ago and I'll be feeling it next week kind of stops that internal like am I even is this even worth me doing on that one day that you feel absolutely normal
0: it's kind of like me over the past week so this time last week, I felt so shit. Like I felt so horrible. And then a week on, I do feel like my normal self again, but you just don't know, do you? You don't know how you're gonna feel on one set day. Like you could just literally wait. I could wake up tomorrow and feel exactly the same as I did last week. It's it's very hard to kind of like define oh, how am I feeling today? Because you just never know, do you? It's really... Yeah,
1: and right now, if someone asked you generally, how are you? You'd be like, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. But if someone had asked you that last week, you'd be like, I don't know when this is going to end. Like, when is this like feeling going to go? Because I can't see an, an end to it. It's, and so it is important, I think, if you are going to seek therapy to genuinely be... Diligent with yourself to to write it down. I just found that so important for me because when I feel fine, I feel absolutely fine. So <laughs> like I forget everything that felt horrible for that day. <laughs> it's like, it's so annoying. <laughs> like great, but it's annoying.
0: When you are feeling like not too great, so you wake up and you you're like, oh shit, I'm not feeling too good today. Is there anything that you do in like specifically in terms of coping mechanisms? That you kind of things that you go, oh, this. I know that this could work.
1: I think um when I'm sort of feeling on edge I think the breathing that I was taught was really helpful so I do the thing where you breathe in for four hold for six and breathe out for eight and I'll try and do that for like a nice couple of minutes in the morning if I don't feel quite right sometimes I'll maybe Pilates and that kind of helps because the Lottie Murphy Pilates it's kind of Pilates kind of yoga so there's a lot of breathing and it's very gentle it's not like a hard workout. Um, but quite a lot of the time at the moment, it's it's just like dealing with a panic attack when it happens. And I had a really, really awful one a few weeks ago in an airport and it just felt like it was never. It, honestly, I was at the airport an hour earlier than I needed to be because I just wanted to be there for all the document checks and everything. And I think that's like a thing of anxiety, isn't it? Like I didn't need to be there. The extra yeah. Hour definitely. Early So I had three hours to kill in this airport and I spent the whole two and a half before I was on the way to the plane having the worst panic attack I've ever had. And then it was just like I didn't know that was going to happen, so I couldn't have prepared for that. So you can only then kind of put in all of the tools that you think might help. But sometimes this is kind of what I'm sort of trying to get help with at the moment because I can't breathe through them because I feel so sick when I have panic attacks. It makes me feel awful, like in my stomach. And the, the idea of breathing deeply into my stomach when I feel that sick is just not the one. <laughs> so no. I was just sort of left. And I, I, I'm lucky enough to have a, an amazing group of friends. And, and the first time I had a panic attack and didn't know what it was, my friend Tony is the one that I called because I know that she's had them and that's kind of what I thought was happening. And so I know I can always ring her in in those situations. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess coping mechanisms, as much as you can do them is to just try to be calm before you get to a situation but sometimes it is just unavoidable
0: yeah and I think with panic attacks they just they literally do come out of nowhere so you can so, for instance I've 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 been just sitting in the passenger seat of the car and my wife's been driving before and we've been going to her parents and I've just been like I'm having a panic, panic attack for no reason like yeah. I think it's it's a build. you kind of it's a build-up of stuff that happens I think And it just hits that point just completely randomly where you just go, I can't, I can't control this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's so (laughs) weird. So weird.
1: It is. The first one I ever had, I was sat in bed watching Hell's Kitchen, which I guess maybe isn't the most relaxing show, but I felt very relaxed and it just came out of nowhere. And that first time you have a panic attack, you don't know what is going on in your body. And I mean, to be, what was I maybe 23 the first time I ever had a panic attack. So I had that long, not really understanding what it ever was when people spoke about it or how it might feel like that. And then to go through it, my boyfriend was like, do I need to ring you an ambulance? Are you having a heart attack? Like I just didn't know what was going on in my body. So I think, like I say, again, had my friend not spoken about having panic attacks, I wouldn't have Googled that mid panic attack to just see if they were my symptoms. And actually knowing it was that did calm me down. And I think now when I have them it's I panic less about the panic attack and just focus more on knowing I'm, I know I'm going to be fine at some point <laughs> whether it's three hours down the line or two 20 minutes um but yeah so I think it is important to talk about it so that people actually know what they are because I really didn't know a hell of a lot before and the few snippets that I did know are what sort of helped me get through them really
0: I've spoken to a few people in here and they've all said that every for their first panic attack they have felt like they are having a heart attack and they do need to find an ambulance and it's a bit like i i can't remember what my first panic attack felt like so i can't i can't kind of relate to that but i just remember that it it just appears out of nowhere and you just want so for me personally i just wanted to get away i just didn't want to be in that situation i just literally needed to remove myself from that situation i was in and just be on my own.
1: Once you kind of know how they work, you know what the beginnings of your own panic attack feel like. I know I get a really dry throat and I feel like I need to swallow all the time. And then I start to feel sick and then I sort of get like like almost like a distance between my eyes and what I'm seeing I can't I can't really explain it but that for me is like right okay here we go buckle up (laughs) here we are we're off um and then you know that they come in waves so that it will tail off eventually and then each sort of next rise of panic isn't going to be as bad as the next one and then eventually that is the last one and like until you know that stuff you just don't know what you're dealing with and what's going on
0: Your job is quite, I guess, in the spotlight, because you're a singer-songwriter. How how do you deal with kind of being in the public spotlight and performing live? How how does that affect your mental health? Is it is it kind of something that you're just used to? So you just do it naturally or is it, or does does it kind of scare you a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think weirdly I've always been used to feeling nervous. Nervous and anxious or nervous and panic to me are very, very far removed from each other I'm quite used to that sort of butterflies in your stomach feeling so and and like I say I mean I I did the voice it was the most terrifying thing I have ever done in my life it was it was so nerve-wracking but through that whole process I never it never pushed me to have a panic attack I still never experienced one at that point so all of those nerves I think yeah I think because I've kind of been doing what I do since I was really young I I'm kind of used to it but now I'm Aware that a panic attack could happen in those situations. So that kind of scares me a little bit. Like I'm I'm doing a new um job through the summer, I'm doing backing vocals, which I've never done before on, on a tour for an artist. And I am I, I like really want to find new ways to get panic attacks under control before I start that so that I can just know going into it that should one come up I know how to deal with it fine and touch with thankfully in a work environment as of yet I haven't actually had one and I hope that continues Um, but I fear that it will at some point and then I think that then that kind of initial fear and anxiety towards it probably causes one so I've just got to not think about it really but it's easier said than done isn't
0: it I think it's right it's one of those things where might not happen because at the time you're literally just so like it's a stupid example but like the swan paddling its feet underneath the surface and on, on the on the surface you just look calm underwater you just literally go mental it could be one of those situations where you'll never have a panic attack whilst you're performing or anything like that because you just get through it and then afterwards it's it's just no, what, maybe what,
1: you're what, right yeah I'm used to squashing those nerves and and I guess that's kind of what you've got to do for you've got to trick your brain in a panic attack haven't you into thinking that you're calm so maybe I'm doing that already in those scenarios a little bit more but I do wonder if maybe that's why I've kind of happily sort of taken a step towards writing more than being the artist I think maybe that's why subconsciously I would rather not have the pressure of being the front person so much as as being a writer, I think maybe
0: because it's 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 kind of like why would you want to put yourself under that immense pressure when you know it's going to not have a good impact on you? I'd, yeah, yeah, know. it's true.
1: It is, yeah, maybe So maybe somewhere in the back of my brain, I'm looking after future Lucy and going,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, to exactly. <laughs> going back to your parents, your so your mum has has been in, has been and still is in the public spotlight constantly. Yeah, Has has she kind of, I guess, not given you advice, but kind of, like, helped you along with your career in terms of dealing with your mental health, mental illnesses and stuff like that? Because I guess she would have experienced some of the stuff that you've experienced, kind of, like, for instance, on The Voice and whenever you kind of, like, performing a gig or record a track or something like that. It, are, are your parents kind of really helpful in guiding you through that sort of process?
1: Yeah, I have been... I'm so lucky that they are from kind of a similar industry because they just understand the sort of pressure or stresses or nerves that come along with it and my parents are a perfect example of just calm stoic people and I think my mum had me when she was 38 so she was a little bit older so she's always been sort of one of the older mums but with that comes more life experience so any situation that I'm in she's been in the equivalent situation really so she knows how she dealt with it and how how she got through those patches or worked through those nerves or and I just think yeah she's just the perfect example of just a beautiful lovely strong empathetic wonderful human being and so I'm just so lucky to have that with me because she's just so calming in general because she's been there a million times over (laughs) when you've been there for the first time, you know? Um, So no, it's, she's, yeah, they're definitely a great help in that sense for sure. I'm just lucky they're all very open people and I guess they've not really, it was different in their kind of youth, wasn't it? If they were suffering with something, you didn't know what it was and you didn't tell anyone about it and you didn't deal with it. But I think it's lovely that even though they had that growing up, they've become people that, A sort of open to talking about all of it, so I was never scared to sort of bring it to them. Even though I felt, I think there's probably guilt there on their side. They feel like it's their fault that I feel like this, but it's absolutely not. It's just the way that my body reacted. Do you know what I mean? So, I think yeah, I'm just lucky that I'm able to be so open with them.
0: I do think when it comes to mental health and family you do have to have some sort of support within your family network and so for instance I I don't know if I spoke about this before on one of these but my my little sister is my like little support so she's she she's six years younger than me but she acts like she's my older sister now which is weird so strange I'm in my early 30s now and she acts like she's like 40 or whatever but (laughs) (laughs) is is that the same like because you've got a brother haven't you so is that kind of do you Do you guys kind of bounce off one another? And I guess you kind of would have experienced the same sort of thing with both your parents going into hospital. Did you kind of have a good relationship with your brother during that time just to kind of bounce off one another and help each other out?
1: Absolutely. Like my brother and I are really close as well. And he's in the music industry as well. So we kind of work together as well as being related and brother and sister. And I think we have a funny relationship. I guess we don't necessarily we don't, we're not always, I'm very, very open with him. So if I'm having panic attack and I need help, his way of dealing it with me in that situation is to send me stupid songs. So when I was having this panic attack in the airport, he sent me almost like a SpongeBob vibe, Hawaiian kind of like ukulele song. And he was like, you can't possibly be anxious if you're listening to this. (laughs) So that's, he's very funny. um, And that's kind of his way of dealing with it. But like your little sister, his girlfriend, Tony, who's one of my best friends, she has got a really old head on really young shoulders and she is somebody that I can call in those situations if I don't want to worry my parents or um and I think I guess if you're not lucky enough to have a really close family support as long as you've got one person that you can call on and that they're happy for you to call on I think it's really helpful to just know that if I need to do that because you might sometimes you don't want to burden people do you, you don't want to ring them in the middle of the day when you know that they're busy But just to know that you could if you needed to sometimes is help enough isn't it
0: yeah i agree i think it's good to have like definitely that one person to go to for me i always go to like one of my mates who used to live where i live now and she's moved down to um like kind of devon sort of way but i know that if i have a problem or i'm having a panic attack or whatever if if my wife's not there or my sister's not there like i can always ring her and she'll pick up the phone and help me through and, and then like, you it's haven't
1: a- gone, there's help helplines and stuff isn't there there's like exactly there's yeah, places yeah. To call if you're really desperate to talk to someone and like it's important to know that all of that stuff is out there because you are really never the only person going through it there's and it's awful to find comfort in the fact that there's other people in those situations but it it's just nice to know you're not on your own
0: it's kind of like going back to the waiting list thing of there's so many people waiting yeah. for therapy and stuff like that but just know that you're not on your own because there is a lot of people although it doesn't feel like it there's a lot of other people that are going through what you're going through at the minute
1: just not everyone talks about it as much as we do
0: (laughs) no exactly and they should they should
1: they should it feels good to just get it out doesn't it I think it's good to talk about it because someone might stumble across one episode of your podcast And hear something that they needed to hear that they didn't know they needed to hear so you can't you're doing a very good thing
0: thanks (laughs) the thing is is that I it's it's so strange because this is like I must have done about 40 of these now and I learn something new every time so like from you I've learned about a different type of therapy that I've never heard of before in 40 hours of recording podcasts it's mad I'm
1: so glad I could bring something new (laughs) to the table
0: (laughs) you said that you still suffer from like panic attacks and anxiety now is alongside the therapy is there anything else that you kind of plans put in place or have got in place that's going to help you moving forward
1: I mean definitely having the people to call is a comfort and I find for me when I've had a bad panic attack for the next few weeks or months sort of after that really bad one I will be generally more on edge about potentially having one everywhere I go so I don't know if there's other things I've got in place. I always know I've got breathing if I can manage to do it at the time. And I do try if I feel like I was saying earlier, if I feel like I start the day not on a right foot, I do try and just do some breathing. But I don't know. I don't I don't know the tools yet for myself. And I think that's why I'm sort of seeking the help I'm seeking, because I don't I don't have those and I don't quite know how I knew how to deal with it when it was specifically related to an event that I could I could make make sense in my brain and I could explain it out of the window and I could deal with it whereas now it's kind of I, I feel like I'm over that thing so this is sort of just a residual thing that I've been left with and I don't really know how to clear it so I'm sort of in a state of I don't know at the minute so I know that's not very helpful but I don't have an answer <laughs>
0: it is helpful because you've highlighted that some of the coping mechanisms that you may have had or have had or have at the minute might not work in the future and I think that's that's kind of like I've spoken about before but for me some of the stuff that I used to do to cope with kind of my anxiety and depression two three four years ago I know that it doesn't work anymore so it's kind of like constantly trying to find the new ways of trying to help yourself whether that's doing a new spool or I don't know like just trying new things just to try and get back to that place I guess
1: yeah yeah so I think as yeah I'm just trying I'm I'm trying at the moment to find what those things are and I don't have them yet but I plan to so (laughs) that's fingers crossed
0: what is your happy place what is the happiest place on earth where you're like this is the best
1: it's really funny so my when I was doing the EMDR I had to come up with a happy place that I'd been in and a sort of mental happy place like somewhere that I might not have actually had that experience but that is like bliss to me and my actual life happy place was when my lovely dog was alive he's not here anymore it was being sat on the garden step with my feet on the grass hearing the birds With the sun out, just watching my dog just potter around. And I still go back to that as like a really calming, lovely image. And then my sort of visualized one was all of my family sort of being stood together, just doing their own thing, mingling, having a nice time, and us looking out onto water and beautiful trees and just being in nature with everybody that I love. And I think they are the things that I always go back to. Whenever I'm feeling like while I'm doing my breathing, if I need to do it in the morning, they're the kind of things I will picture in my head. And that sort of reminds me of having I've got all of those people behind me. I've got all of those people's support and how lucky I am to have all of them. And yeah, I think I think generally nature and the people I love are my happy place.
0: Oh, I love that. That's lovely. I like the pet one as well.
1: Yeah, I know, I know, and I still I, that image is so ingrained because I did it through the therapy. That I love that I've got that as a little memory of my little Dexter, who's not with us anymore. But Aww. I
0: know
1: they break your heart, don't they, pets?
0: <laughs> oh my god! Like my so my cat is he's six. I think he's six or seven this year. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, like I don't know how I'm ever going to live without him because it he doesn't actually do anything he it's it's kind of like you'll he's asleep on the bed at the minute just literally asleep and I always like again one of my happy places is just literally going and laying on the bed next to him and just watching him weird
1: yeah (laughs) watching him watching their little noses breathe and their little paws and they're just so special animals I think they're so lovely to be around aren't they
0: I mean he doesn't feel the same because literally like five minutes after I've laid next to him he'll move go somewhere else I've
1: got a weird relationship (laughs) with cats I'm a bit scared of cats I think we've got a cat since since we lost our dog we are just like desperate for any animal that will come near us to let us touch it basically (laughs) and we've got this cat that comes to our back door and wants to be let in so we let it in every now and then and we think it's a he and he's really really lovely for about 10 minutes and you'll be stroking him and he'll be purring and is really enjoying whatever you're doing and then he'll just switch and he'll slap you and he'll try and bite you and then I'm I'm like trying to let him leave and I'm trying to get to the door with him in the way and he'll be slapping my feet. I'm like, no, you can go now, thank you. No, I'm a bit, I'm a bit not sure on cats. (laughs) They scare me.
0: Oh, see, we got lucky because we got our cat from just down the road and we, we, so we got sold him as a a ragdoll cat. Yeah. And he's not a ragdoll cat, he's just a normal black cat. (laughs) (laughs) But I think so. The family we bought him from had small children, and the first time we went to see the litter of cats they had, they were one of the kids was pushing around two of the cats in a little buggy. So they were literally oh. being handled so much these kittens that our cat is just like he doesn't care. You can so pick chill. him up whenever you can stroke him how much you want. He, doesn't, he, he oh. does. He just not. He doesn't fight back, which is probably and bad when it comes to. Cat,
1: he might change my opinion. <laughs>
0: he's like, he's more he's more like a dog he's like yeah. a little, little dog but yeah he's he's lovely and I couldn't live without him he's he's like one of my coping mechanisms I guess
1: yeah. yeah and you're they honestly they're so innocent and they know how do they know when you're feeling rubbish they actually know and they'll come and give you a cuddle that you didn't even know you needed they're just animals just so I just could talk about animals all day so don't even get me started <laughs>
0: tea or coffee
1: tea all day every day okay i don't like, coffee, I don't like it it's so weird i I'm, I'm don't like glad. coffee i think i don't think it would agree with me i'm quite shaky not it doesn't take much to make me shake so give me a coffee and i think i'm screwed so yeah I'm quite glad i don't have a taste for coffee
0: this is going to be an easy answer cats or dogs
1: dogs sorry to your cat summer,
0: definitely yeah <laughs> summer or winter
1: summer i love being warm and as we discovered i don't like the cold.
0: no energy rises as well don't like that that's not cool
1: oh, no don't do that like sort of just as we're getting to the sort of second winter of the year mid-march with snow like what are you doing <laughs> why would you do that
0: to us? oh like, genuinely i was we were i was sitting on the sofa with my wife yesterday watching tv and she just went can we turn the heating on and i was like oh, yeah yeah kind of should so. it's gonna cost us a five am i <laughs> yeah not a fan of that it's def- definitely it. summer for me um, talking or texting
1: uh talking day or night oh uh day day i'm not a morning person i'm more of a night person than a morning person but i like being in daylight so day yeah
0: Beach holidays or city breaks.
1: Beach holidays all day every day. Not even a question.
0: I agree. <laughs> a good book or a good film.
1: Oh, um, can I have a good series?
0: Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> the secret third option. I've only really just started properly getting into reading. And if you haven't read The Midnight Library, that is my new favourite book of all time. Matt Haig. Yeah, very good. Amazing. Um, but so that's kind of kicked off my reading, but I'm not fully in the swing of it yet movies i would I would rather watch a series than a movie for some reason. I really don't know why because it takes up way more time, but sometimes I'm just not in the mood for films, so yeah, the secret third option a series
0: what series
1: <laughs> any series <laughs> <laughs> generally nothing generally oh. nothing like too too stressful or horror keep me well away, but something with a bit of drama, but a little bit of lightness to it. What good series have I watched recently? I mean, I've just finished Bridgerton, but that's pretty... So
0: uh, my wife's just like, started watching that, and I, I I, refuse to watch it. I don't know why, but oh, she, she's like, you need to, to watch it. it. You need to watch it. Mm. I'd,
1: what had I just... I'd just finished watching Desperate Housewives, which was a really good series, and there was like eight series of like 25 episodes or something. And then I think I watched something quite dark. I'd watched Top Boy. um, So my brother's friend is in it. And it's the whole, it's pretty gloomy, but it's very good. And so I needed some sort of like light relief, sort of something that's just very calm and gentle. And that was Bridgerton for me. So it actually was very comforting. I enjoyed it.
0: See, I've not seen Bridgerton and I don't know if to get involved in that. I'm not sure.
1: You should get involved. I think if you can't beat them, join them. (laughs) That's what I'd say.
0: I think my wife's watched about four episodes now, though, so I don't know if I'm like, is it an hour episode? Yeah, about, yeah. Uh, that's an investment of time. I might have, I'll go on holiday Just next time, a so I could download it. a
1: synopsis of what she's seen so far, and then jump in.
0: So I, I don't like series that are over half an hour. I like half an hour. And really? So I, yeah, yeah. So we're watching um, Ted Lasso at the moment. And that's, I've not I love i love that. that. It's,
1: Is so it really good. Good? Been, mm. it's been
0: recommended to me so many times and i so we watched it we we're watching it last night and i said to my wife have you noticed something it's a it's about football but you yeah. don't actually ever see them play in a football match
1: sounds good to me
0: <laughs> and i was like so weird and I, I only clocked it after the i think it's like the seventh or eighth episode
1: how funny I watched the morning show, which is also on Apple TV, which was really good. That's, that's
0: next. That's next on my list.
1: Really good. The second series has just come out, and I finished watching it on a plane, and I was like, I just didn't want it to be over on the plane after the panic attack. I finished watching. It. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but no, that's really good. So yeah, I love a I love a good series because I think you get to know people better in a series than in a film because you spend much longer with them. Um, and yeah, sometimes movies, I'm just not in the mood. So, series.
0: I agree. I agree with series over movie, definitely. Yeah. And the yeah. last one is singing or songwriting.
1: Oh, no.
0: I had to chuck it in.
1: That's impossible. That's I didn't even, write, I I didn't even write it me. down.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, the last, however long, many years of my life, I would have said singing, but the last two years, I would say songwriting. So, right now, it's songwriting. That was horrible to answer.
0: (laughs) Stabbed me in the gut. I I love asking a chucked in question. I did it to somebody, it's to a model, and I said, and she used to do ballet, and she loves ballet. And I was like, ballet or modeling? And she was like, no.
1: You can't. <laughs> and my my internal loophole to the songwriting thing is that you kind of have to sing a little bit to write a song. You have yeah. to kind of get the melody and stuff. So I sort of get to do both with that one. <laughs>
0: That's fair enough. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on
1: no thank you so much for having me it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and once again I think the fact that you do these podcasts and you put the effort into it and you're so open with how you feel about just life and and your struggles is just really really admirable so thank you for doing what you do and thank you for letting me be a part of it
0: thank you Lucy I'll speak to you soon
1: take care bye Luke
0: see you later Bye. thank you so so much to Lucy for coming on the stress sessions. If you enjoyed listening to that episode please share with your friends, family or anyone who you think it might help and if you're feeling particularly generous you can even subscribe and download the rest of the episodes. On a side note I am not a mental health professional or nor any of my guests that come on my show. These podcasts are purely based on my own personal experiences and those of my guests alongside some simple hints and tips along the way. So if you do need to get some help please visit my podcast notes of this episode or any of the other episodes where you'll find a helpful link to lots of different mental health services um, including counsellors, charities, um, anything that will help. Finally thank you so much again for listening and I'll be back again next week with a fantastic guest from the Great British Bake Off. So look out for that one and have a great week. I'll speak to you soon.